Hi everyone, this is Robbie Lucky and this is the PBN Podcast. I'm super excited to introduce my two guests, Ben Pook and Roxy Pope of So Vegan. They are home cooks, uh, food bloggers, and previously worked in the music industry. I'm really excited to both have you on. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, very excited. Yeah. So, um, as I was saying, this is my first time to do two people at once. So, obviously, you know, it'd be great to have you both and really excited to hear both your stories. Um, before we kind of dive into your life and what are you doing right now, let's go back a few years and learn about how you started this vegan and plant-based journey, how it kind of came to you and um, kind of what inspired you to get involved in it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start, Maxie? Yeah, so um, throw back to about how far should we go the beginning the beginning uh the beginning for me in terms of a food journey i'd say probably stems back to my teenage years i was really interested in kind of healthy living eating well um and then a few years later my mum got ill and she was really delving into where food comes from she kind of gave me all the information about you know dairy's not good for you don't eat processed meats all that kind of stuff so it kind of stemmed from there and then kind of lead on to me and ben becoming a couple uh, and then we just kind of read so many kind of newspaper articles watched so many documentaries about the negative impacts of animal farming that together we were like we need to do something about this and changing our diet was the most immediate impact we could have um, a positive impact on the planet yeah. and I think leading up to that we'd both collectively kind of reduced our dairy intake reduced our meat intake so it happened together at the same time yeah yeah, okay. much. yeah. yeah. I think the way I describe it is I personally just became like really overwhelmed with all the information that I was like coming, it was, was becoming available to me, like reading articles, watching documentaries, like Roxy said. And like, how long ago was that? Uh, about three, two and four and a half, years. three years, yeah. okay. three, just over three years ago. So shortly the crowd, the, the cowspiracy generation. I call yeah. Them. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Um, and it's interesting because like, depending on who I'm talking to, I kind of phrase it differently. So like in the context of this podcast, like, I would happily say that, like, personally, I just became overwhelmed with the feeling that I felt like a hypocrite because I always consider myself sort of somewhat compassionate. I always consider myself somewhat um, environmentally minded. And then I was being told all this information that, like, the lifestyle you're living is detrimental. Where did you get this information? Where did you discover uh, so, it? So, like, the, mostly documentaries, but also, um, I think for me as well, it stemmed a lot from, like, peer-to-peer. So, like, we had a, a good friend of ours, Sam. For me, it was, like, one of the first people who started, like, actively talking about it. Mm. So then I was like, oh, if Sam's interested in this, I should be interested in this. Like, was kind Sam of, really cool? Uh, yeah. Would you describe him as cool? He's <laughs> pretty cool. I'd describe him as very cool, yeah. Because vegan has become cool, because it never used to be. It used to be, like really you know it's be the thing that people used to hippies used to do mm. tree huggers mm. and croc wearers yeah. obviously saw the croc wearers <laughs> out there i mean kind of five ten years ago i literally didn't know what vegan meant and i probably would have been one of those people that thought it was mm. like hippie connotations all that kind of thing and i think you just can't ignore the facts in front of you anymore and we just want to take veganism mainstream and to yeah. the masses but this is my point about like like talking to you guys i would describe it that way in the sense like I felt like a hypocrite because what I'm conscious of is that if I describe it that way to like a meat eater Mm. instinctively what I'm doing is I'm saying that that person's a hypocrite Mm. so I've done that before and I've kind of felt the conversation kind of get a bit awkward Mm -hmm. so like I, th- I think it's 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 always interesting, like who you're talking to and how you kind of describe your journey. Mm. Um, whereas, like, if I was talking to a meat eater, I wouldn't describe it that. Way. I'd say something more along the lines that, like, 
Um, yeah, the inf- information has become more readily available. It felt like the biggest way to kind of have an immediate impact and try and come across more encouraging as opposed to like sort of finger pointing. How did your family and friends react to your going vegan? Everyone was really supportive. Um, and I was away on tour quite a lot with work, which was got quite difficult but everyone would be like oh we're going out for dinner we found a vegan place everyone was so supportive I was really surprised I was kind of more conscious and self-aware than they were because I was like I don't want to be awkward I don't want people to not eat what they want to eat because Mm. of me so I think I was more awkward than they were but they were just kind of all-encompassing Ben's dad has been incredible he's literally turned vegan as well he'll come over and he'll be like have you heard about the cows in South Africa he's got all like the he's like on top of all the news best educated vegan ever. Like, yeah. Like, ten vegan. We're like, oh my yeah. God, what have we, what have we created? But like, with no encouragement whatsoever. Only in no. the sense, like, only like, sort of, obviously we talk about it whenever he comes over. And we talk about what we're up to. He's really interested in what we're up to as well. social media. Exactly. So he's always like, oh, I saw your latest recipe. So there's all that going on. Yeah. 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 But then suddenly it's like, we went to a vegan camp out together. So it was me, Roxy, and my dad going to vegan camp out. Oh, wow. It was actually awesome. And he's getting up at like, dawn or whatever it is like going to see all the documentaries in the tent and, and he was like oh if it's the neil barnard cheese talk i've heard that one before i'm gonna leave <laughs> yeah, like, that's amazing. okay I'm, I'm sure you've heard do, it do you, has it brought you closer to your to your, to your father uh, i think I, so yeah. Yeah. me and my dad have always been really close right uh, it's brought me since, closer to your dad <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i think like ever since like the, when i sort of Became an, became an adult and like became mature and like sort of settled into what I wanted to do in my life and sort of gained confidence. That's when I sort of had a closer bond with my father, um, which I thought was really good. It's definitely been a positive thing in my life. And I think that veganism has just been tied into that. Like yeah. it's really easy to talk to him about certain subjects and stuff. Mm. So. Cause it's a big part of our lives, food and food mm. culture. Um, you know, we, we, it brings people together, your birthdays, Christmases, uh, you know, even kind of deaths as well. We all come together around food. Mm. And for a lot of people, it's quite a, um, a scary thought to change that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel, feel that fear or that apprehension because they're worried that it's going to change those situations, those breakfasts with mom, you know, those dinners with grandma, mm. um, because a lot of people have that idea that food is such an intrinsic part of their lives that they could never possibly change it. But isn't it incredible that we can switch so quickly yeah. and mm. become so, you know, we're ultimately the same people, but we've all we've done is just change a few things on our plates, mm. yet it changes our lives so intrinsically. We yeah. see the world so differently and we see ourselves as, you know, these kind of agents for change, which can be scary at times because, you know, we're less than 1% of the population, according to the latest accurate studies, I think, you know, and we're still a minority. But when we kind of uh, kind of emerge into this lifestyle, we all become so passionate. Well, most mm-hmm. people become so passionate about yeah. it. Why do you think, um, well, what, on, the, on the other side, though, why do you think, what do you think is the kind of barrier to entry? Like, what do you think is holding it back? I think... Um with regards to food we speak to so many people who say they still think it's complicated they still don't know where to start and um they just think it'll take loads of time and they're not we live in such a society where everything is fast paced people want to come home they don't want to be cooking for ages and i think that is for most people the barrier to entry is like they they see it's something they can't achieve um mm. And without, well, linking it to the book. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. But I also think, like, from a more sort of cynical perspective, I also think, like, there are lots of 
sort of powerful interests out there who just don't want things to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the reality, mm-hmm. I think. So I think, and also the way I described, we were on the Revolution panel recently, and the way I described it there is like, it was a similar question. I said, um, like, it's not, it, like a lot of people don't want it to be easy making that switch. So like the way you describe in terms of like certain traditions encouraging you to sort of remain in your your lifestyle or like if you go to a supermarket, yeah, there are like, it's becoming easier, but fundamentally it's still relatively difficult to make that switch. And it's still a thing on the side, isn't it? Because all the vegan meats and all the vegan products are in a special little vegan section. Yeah. Mm. I just don't understand why the plant milks are with the, with the other milk and the pl- plant meat is with yeah. the other meat and mm. the vegan cheese is with all the other cheese. Yeah. It's still seen as this thing that people are doing as an option. Mm-hmm. I think it will fundamentally change once the big food uh, suppliers start to see the demand, which is coming. Yeah. They start to see it as just a mainstream thing, just yeah. like anything else. And the yeah. question there is like, do we kind of wait patiently for that to happen? Or do we encourage like sort of legislation and like sort of lobbying to, to, to make it happen quicker? So for example, something was on the news recently about meat tax. And there wasn't news on the one show, mm-hmm. which I thought was a really interesting concept in terms of like, do we kind of, do we do something that technically is going to make it more expensive for people to live their lifestyle, but fundamentally means that we have a positive impact on the planet, a positive impact on the animals. So yeah, those are the those are those are the debates we need to start having. I think in in public yeah. sort of. It's an interesting question. I think it's similar to smoking. I think meat eating now is the new kind of form of yeah. smoking because mm. we know that it's damaging people's health. The studies are there. The science is there. Um, you know, do we start taxing it? But a lot of people have concerned that if we start taxing it, the wealthy will still to be able to afford to eat. The middle classes and the the upper classes will be able to afford to continue to consume. And then it's the you know the working class people who struggle the most yeah. who will who will end up suffering the most because of it and going on to eating the kind of ready meals and the junk foods even more because they're like processed and cheaper so it's a real like tricky thing i think you know i personally believe that we shouldn't be subsidizing the the meat milk and egg industry we should be subsidizing the fruit vegetable and uh, legume industry Mm. but there's no profit in it because this is why there's no broccoli lobby is there there's no like there's you know there's no ads for broccoli or vegetables on tv because these goods don't last very long and so they spoil like i think dr gregor talks about twinkies he said you know a twinkie can last like a year or two years on a shelf mm. and that's why these kind of animal heavy products are so profitable because they can last for such a long time and you can make so many of them mm. um, I was talking to a journalist recently from the Sunday Times and he was saying how it's ridiculous that 0.6% of our GDP is, is you know comes from animal agriculture and it takes up 60% of the land in this country and it produces so much waste and co2 and um, methane and carbon monoxide carbon dioxide and it's kind of like what are we doing you know we're kind of continuing these ways of farming and living that are so damaging to our bodies to the environment they don't generate huge amounts of money we need to be shifting to other ways of living but again it goes back to that word tradition yeah (laughs) humans are very good at like over attaching to traditions yeah 100 percent. like it status quo like I think it, it's difficult to encourage people to kind of break out of their status quo. Um, and like, even within like, even, e- even though like I'm proud of the fact that I made that switch to a vegan lifestyle, I think there are still certain status quo that I hang on to um, certain sort of like, I don't know, bureaucracies, I guess, and processes in my life that I kind of would miss if I let go of those. Um, it's just like, I guess, in the context of veganism, I've like I feel proud of myself that I have made that switch. Mm-hmm. But I can definitely sympathise with people who kind of 
would perceive it as being a difficult thing. I think things are changing and I think the younger generation are open to change. I think on the contra- I think on the other side of it, I think tradition is being lost, um, mm. which is also a bit of a sad thing. Well, this is... A, um, yeah. So in the, in the, the thing about tradition as well is like tradition isn't always a bad thing. Mm. I think that's what we need to get our heads around. So for mm. example, <clears throat> I was reading up recently about how um, traditionally, for example, women have been... Um, sort of like in the in the homes cooking dinner, for example, like they, they've been the ones responsible for like putting food on the tables, at least in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, the tradition of a woman's role has obviously started to be broken down, and women have been encouraged, which is an amazing thing, to like take up careers and whatever else. So what's happened is in the household that traditional role hasn't been replaced, mm-hmm. so that's been directly linked to. Uh, generations of kids being brought up in an environment where there's nobody in the household mm-hmm. now because the man hasn't stepped in and, mm-hmm. and taken that responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I think while we talk about traditions being broken down and replaced, I also think we need to be acutely aware of like, what are we replacing it with? Mm-hmm. Um, so if we are talking about like, we need to break this tradition of animal agriculture. I think we need to really educate people about what we are going to replace it with. Yeah, because we don't want to replace it with junk food and exactly. processed food. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the topic of food and, and, and kind of <clears throat> animals and animal agriculture, obviously veganism is defined as a lifestyle that kind of works to end animal suffering. Um, you know, I always ask my guests, you know, animals are so different to us. They don't look like us. They have fur and scales and feathers. They don't speak our language. We don't speak their language. You know, why should we, why should we as people, as humans, as, you know, we're also obviously animals, but why should we, we care about them? Why should we kind of, you know, step up and speak out for them? I just think it's not fair for any species on the planet to endure suffering. Um, and I, whether it's a human, whether it's an animal, I just, they obviously have feelings and I don't think it's fair for us to stand back and watch as millions of animals get slaughtered like every, every year. Mm. Yeah, it, it comes back to the necessity point as well, which is something that went to um, Earthing Ed's Unity Diner. And like, I think he, he mentioned the word like two or three times, like necessity. And for me, that's what it comes down to. Like, like I, my motivation for going vegan wasn't necessarily the animals, well, entirely the animals. It was more the environmental sort of side of things. The longer I've been vegan, the more I've kind of um, learned and like sort of educated myself about sort of the just destructive process of like animal agriculture um and i've kind of adjusted like my way of thinking to like questioning the necessity of why we do things Mm -hmm. and like it's just not necessary to put animals through this suffering Mm -hmm. and if it's not necessary to do that then you have to ask the question well why are we still doing it It's a habit, isn't it? Habit, mm. habit, culture, tradition, but then also being fed by these these giant industries who are making huge amounts mm. of money, keeping things exactly as they are. <clears throat> and also, I think there's an addictive quality to these foods as well. I think, totally. You know, yeah. we've our human bodies have evolved over the last two hundred thousand years to want to consume uh, these types of foods, especially the fat in foods. You know, because obviously, you know, throughout our history, we haven't been able to for for most of our history, we didn't have access to those kinds of foods, and when we did we would gorge on them and consume mm. them in high qualities quantities mm. um, and i think that's why junk food is so bad for human beings you know like high fat high sugar foods that are in small packages like mm. chocolate bars mm. for example as delicious yeah. as they are they're like nutrient bombs on 
they? You know, you, you get so many calories in such a small package. It's just a completely unnatural mm. way of consuming nutrients. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the food industry, you know, things like the Mac, Mac, McDonald's burgers, they know this. The food scientists that create these foodstuffs know how to create the perfect balance of carbs, fats, sugars, um, and salt. Yeah. And that it triggers that brain mm. kind of chemistry, you know. So we're up against these... Well, we're up against scientists who are kind of like working for the evil industries. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, the whole McDonald's example is interesting as well because I'm where I grew up, um, they built a new McDonald's and there was a debate about how tall the McDonald's sign should be mm-hmm. because obviously the taller it is, mm-hmm. if you're driving down that road and you see it in the distance, you might not even be thinking of doing a left, but if you see it in the distance, it's going to trigger that like hamburger sort of mm-hmm. sensation and you're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to pop in to the drive-thru, grab a couple of hamburgers. Mm-hmm. So there's a massive debate about, like, people saying, hang on a minute, like, why does it need to be, like, 100 metres up in the air or however big it is? But obviously the lower it is, the lower the probability of somebody driving past and wanting to go there. But McDonald's are like, if I could get it, like, yeah, it's super high. like a mile <laughs> in the sky <laughs> with light beaming around it. Yeah. But I remember yeah. when we went vegan, we had a few slip-ups along the way. And... Um, it took a while for our taste buds to change, but they did. And now I don't crave any dairy meat products at all. Um, so I think it's just a process that you need to it's go through as well. It's psychological, isn't it, though? Mm. I mean, you say talking about the sign, you know, the, our yeah. brains are funny things. You know, our, if, obviously, if we're blessed with sight, we are, the, the eyes are trigger the brain, trigger feelings mm-hmm. and emotions. Uh, my partner, Lewis, um, grew up uh, eating um, wimpy. And his dad would take him every weekend, every Friday uh, to, to have a wimpy. And even he's been vegan now with me for six years but whenever he sees a wimpy we drive past he has this craving for the wimpy but when you delve into it it's not the burger it's that emotional of experience sitting yeah. there with dad yeah. feeling happy and the joy you know nostalgia is like yeah. so powerful yeah so powerful i think um yeah i guess I, yeah because my mum's polish so every christmas eve we have like the big polish um christmas dinner and that normally used to entail like um, jellied eel like all these meats and fishes and things and over the past like three years we've had to be like we're not we're not going to eat that mm-hmm. um, but I feel like my mum's done really well she has like, come up with vegan alternatives like we've helped out as well mm-hmm. um, so I think the options are there you just kind of have to it's quite funny because last year when we went to Christmas at my my mum's oh um, yeah I don't know what happened but like I think we were so busy we're so vegan I think I might have loosely said to my mum oh we'll just sort ourselves out and because my mum's really good she will always like have a plan B (laughs) and we didn't do any preparation for it so we turned up kind of Uh half expecting her to just cook some like vegan Uh nut roast yeah and she'd pop down to Tesco's I think and bought like a vegan sort of like bean Italian chili. bean chili or something uh-huh. like this. Like yeah. so, and so we had that with like roast potatoes, like roast parsnips, <laughs> and there was like everybody else like enjoying their. Well, not everyone, like two or three people was that ready yeah, meal? enjoying their turkey, and we were just like eating our ready meal vegan food on Christmas Day. Oh, but for me, I don't feel like I've lost any tradition or any sense of nostalgia through through food in those situations. I, I still feel like I get this. We still get together at Christmas. That for me is yeah, fulfilling enough. I, I do miss certain things like. Um, when I used to go travel, I didn't travel a lot. I traveled quite a lot growing up because I used to be part of this youth group. But like, as an adult, like one of the most one of the things I enjoyed most going traveling was to be like, right, I'm in like this one area of India. What's their local delicacy? Oh, it's like a chicken sort of. Um, like korma or whatever, um, and I'd be like, right, I have to hunt out the one place that I know does the most 
banging traditional whatever mm. chinkorma now we go traveling we're like where can we go where there will like, be something to where eat where is the one vegan place we go <laughs> that we we know like sell uh, like serves like something that's going to be like relatively healthy and obviously vegan friendly so like it's not i don't i don't it doesn't discourage me from going traveling it doesn't discourage me from doing things it's just like it's just something i'm like acutely aware of that my motivations are now very different it, um, it is true i think what a lot of people don't realize is that when you travel as a vegan you know you're not going to eat the same way as you did mm, when you're an omnivore yeah. and sometimes you are just going to eat a, bo- a bowl of apples or you might, might just have a bowl of rice or a potato yeah you know food it doesn't have the same amount of um allure that it would um if you were if you had access to all the different ingredients yourself yeah. so yeah. i think you know some people say it's sacrifice but i think you know you you're it's you're making an uh, an ethical moral stance mm. against yeah. something and i think you know veganism that's why we're when we talk about vegan you know vegan eating you know we live on a plant-based diet but we're vegans we have that vegan kind of ethics and passion about us and i think that's the the, the com- complication for a lot of people who don't understand mm. the movement is that vegan isn't a diet but you know diet is how we enact often mm. our, yeah. our ethical choices um speaking of food obviously both of you are um involved in a wonderful project called so vegan which i absolutely adore um you're constantly amazing us with wonderful <laughs> incredible <laughs> recipes tantalizing our eyeballs um you know how did that come about and where did you get the idea tell us tell us its history yeah, yeah so um we we roxy and i'd like recently made the switch to sort of a plant-based diet and um like I, I was working at BuzzFeed for the, at the time um, and I'd become aware of like sort of new formats on social media to like show people just how fun food can be basically. Mm. And as recently turned vegans, I was like, or we together were like, oh my God, like why is nobody doing a vegan version for this? Like this, w- if we did this, it would just be like the best way to show people how fun, simple vegan food can be. And, and I think as well, like... Switching, going vegan, for me, at least personally, was like, I kind of, I was like, I want to tell people, I don't want to go out and be like, oh my God, I'm vegan, like run down the street, like, like, everybody, like, but like, I had this passion to be like, I just want other people to get this feeling that I have, this sort of like sensation. So, so we were like, right, if nobody else wants to do it, we'll just do it. So basically overnight, we um, sort of, uh, went out, bought a sort of induction, induction pan, hub, yeah. induction hob. Uh, we planned a few recipes. And had you any experience with this stuff before? No. No. Well, like, you like were I, like... A... I, I, I had like a camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean the cooking side of things. Okay, no, we were just like... We were, like, we were always enthusiastic, yeah, enthusiastic about cooking at home. Yeah. I think So Vegan is like showcases our journey with the vegan food as well because at the mm. beginning of So Vegan we were new to vegan food was it um, like stuffed peppers and like <laughs> yeah. I know the first recipe stuffed peppers <laughs> couscous as well I love how like that's like the yeah yeah I love that the first we recipe like, was we're um, not doing a stuffed pepper no. from the, from off the I keep being like can we do a stuffed yeah, pepper yeah. please <laughs> I was like no uh, it was a vegan cream egg the first recipe it was uh, over Easter time like three mm. or three three years ago-ish and um, we had like barely any followers and overnight the video got 15,000 views and we were like what that's Mm. crazy Um, yeah we we had a vision from the start which was like we don't want to do typical what we felt was typical vegan food like stuffed peppers quinoa salads mm. like all that sort of stuff Mm. 
the vision's changed a little bit, as Roxy says, like as our sort of journey with vegan food has mm-hmm. evolved. Yeah. But um, yeah, from the start, we were adamant that we wanted that we, the way we used to describe it would be like fun, simple, and occasionally indulgent. So we'll throw in like chocolatey desserts and like nice creams and stuff. But fundamentally, we want it to look quite fun or very fun. And ultimately, as well, we want it to be really simple, mm. um, which is definitely kind of been a sort of theme we've stuck with mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah so like practically overnight we bought this induction hub um so what the way it worked at the start was, was my brother living with us at the time mm. i think he was yeah, yeah like so, February. yeah so my brother had moved in which was meant to be temporary for like well he ben gets a call being like broke up my girlfriend can i like stay for a few days we're like yeah yeah, yeah sure yeah a year later we're like oh my god <laughs> He need, we need to, he needs to move out now. <laughs> and, and within that year, we launched So Vegan. So, like, yeah. so we what we used to do is we, in our sort of living room, we used to put these like sort of crude black curtains up to cover the light, which would always fall down halfway through filming. And um, <laughs> we'd have this like tripod, which would be this like awkward angle uh-huh. pointing down. So we had this like really like sort of low key setup. Mm. And obviously every time we'd film on a Saturday, because we, we were still working full time at the time, so we'd film weekends, edit during the week and in, in, in the evenings. And um, we'd have to set up in the weekend and then we'd have friends coming over for dinner or we'd have like, we just wanted to sit down and watch TV or whatever. So we'd have to pack everything down, pack everything back up on the Sunday. And it was just like, we did that for about two, no, maybe a year and a half, I think, before Liam moved Liam out. Liam moved out, yeah. So like... And it was. I, th- I think I could have gone on for about another three months mm-hmm. before just like being like, I'm done. <laughs> at, at, what like... Point, at what point did you know that it was working and that this was the direction you were going to go? Uh, I think right from the yeah, start. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. it was just so exciting what we were doing. Um, and then we were getting loads of engagement and people were enjoying what we were doing. Uh, yeah. The good the... years of Facebook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the good years, they've gone now. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think we were just so passionate about what we were doing that we were just like full steam ahead, not even really thinking about what we were doing and what we yeah. were getting ourselves in, in for. We had no expectations either. We didn't think we were going to get booked. We didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, it was just a really exciting time for us because we've always worked on projects together in the past. Um, and I'm we're both like really motivated to do stuff and like find things we're passionate mm. about. So this was just one thing that we both found that we're super passionate about mm. and that was working. So Yeah, it got, it got to like, prior to So Vegan, we'd have like, sort of four or five projects we'd like not necessarily all working on together but like like beyond just our careers mm-hmm. we'd have like a few things we'd be working on like yeah. constantly mm, right and as soon as so vegan hit we were just like right stop doing so any you've of always those. had that entrepreneurial spirit right yeah i think entrepreneur um i think it wasn't I've... necessarily driven by like starting a business no. i think in the past it was just like driven by like oh that sounds cool but i think like, it is entre- like i've never thought about that but when people are like oh you're an entrepreneur i'm like Oh, maybe that's what I have. Mm. That's what I've been searching for, but I've never really thought. Yeah, an entrepreneurial that's never kind been of a... spirit is a person who wants to carve their own path yeah. rather than mm. getting a job and working for someone else. It's a person who, I'm not sure the, the etymology of entrepreneur, but <laughs> I imagine it's it's kind of like you know going your own way essentially. Mm. Yeah. I find that really interesting because it's something I've never considered as a job. I think because I was a freelance violinist before. I've always, even when I had a job, I was like trying to do other things so I didn't, I could work mm. for myself. Um, that was never presented as a career option. I mm. think just naturally that is kind of what mm. I've been searching for. I think like, like even like the first week or so vegan, I know that we definitely have conversations like, oh my God, like, like this could be it, right? Like this could be our business. Like, yeah. You're right in a sense, like we definitely had that drive of being yeah. like, wow, that it seems to be working. Like, it sounds like both of you have had unconventional roles anyway. You haven't just 
gone mm. with the obvious stuff that probably was presented to you at school. You worked in the music industry. You worked in media, which is which is you know BuzzFeed's quite quite um, must have been quite an unusual and interesting place to work. What what was your role in BuzzFeed? Yeah, BuzzFeed BuzzFeed was really interesting. Um, so because they still because they own TasteMade, don't they? Uh, Tasty, Tasty, exactly. Which which kind of like was the beginning of like f- food on Facebook. Yeah, that's, yeah. So Ben was sat in those meetings yeah. where they were like, oh, it's just two guys creating these videos, yeah. and he Ben was, hang on, I've got a camera at home. There's two of us. Yeah. Like, why don't we do a vegan that's version? Pretty, yeah. That was yeah. pretty much the beginning yeah. of so vegan. Because it'd never been done before, like the kind of shot shoot shoot shot from above food videos, um, and what I call for the attention deficit generation, <laughs> <laughs> people who don't want to sit through, you know, um, Adelia Smith one hour special. Mm. You know, people who are busy, you've got a lot, lot going on, um, and it, it just worked so well with the Facebook format. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my, my career, um, like I got into sort of, well, when I was at university, I used to write for the student newspaper. So I, I, was, I was always into writing like, editorial sort of content. And I got a career, I, I started a career in like um, advertorial sort of brand partnerships sort of content. So I used to write a lot for brands. So I okay. so when I started at BuzzFeed, I used to do a lot of like, um, here are 15 hacks for your fridge freezer listicles lots of listicles <laughs> he's the king of listicles yeah. he's oh. coming home being like, I need another <laughs> I need another it's point it's your fault the listicles <laughs> yeah, exactly. so but, but the key thing being like brought to you by like this fridge freezer brand uh-huh. do you know what I mean um, so he's doing a lot of that sort of stuff but and, and a bit of video content as well but not me producing it more just like sort of idea generation <laughs> uh, so so I and BuzzFeed was interesting because um I I was there for about a year, I think maybe a year and a half, can't quite remember. Um and I I learned so much, honestly. Like like if you wanna work in a business that knows how to run the internet, like just try and get a job at BuzzFeed. Ten thousand employees, isn't it? Uh it was like it's still ten thousand. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Huge yeah, company. The, we went to the offices in New York and it's just absolutely nuts. Um the thing is I felt a little bit out of place there. That's the only thing. Like, if you don't like pop culture, I think I like pop culture, but you have to really love pop culture. You have to like, if you don't like Harry Potter, if you don't like sort of certain memes and things. And I just had this, I'd go into work every day and I'd have this like sort of sense of like, do I belong here? Like, is this really me? Uh-huh. So personally, like, like I, I enjoyed it. I got so much out of it. But then when I left, I was like, "This is the right time." Because Buzzfeed is like a popular culture like engine. Massively, it literally churns out mm. memes and yeah. listicles. And yeah. but does it so well? They've launched a new series on Netflix, which I, I called "Follow This." Have you seen that yet? Yeah, I know. Which I absolutely love. It's a really interesting format. And actually, I've been thinking a lot about how we could get vegans onto the onto the platform mm-hmm. in these short form. Because Netflix are doing more of this. These kind yeah. of short form, eight minute, ten minute long oh, right. series. So it'd be great to like get something in there of like food, vegan related, whether it's like travel or, or food. But it's a, such a great format. But um, moving on to kind of like your your future, you obviously you've, you're launching your book. Well, your book is launched; it's in pre order. Do you want to tell us a bit about the book and and how it, how you how it kind of you gave birth to it? Because <laughs> it's quite yeah. a long road, isn't it? Um, yeah. So there's a lot of books coming out, like vegan books. Um, I think veganism just blown up recently, and um, yeah, we had a <coughs> excuse me, cut this book out. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so we had a book agent who was kind of um, taking us around publishers, and we were talking to a lot of publishers, and um, yeah, we just had a lot of people saying to us that vegan food is complicated. It's 
difficult it's expensive you have to have like 20 ingredients and we were like hang on even though there's a loads of book being cookbooks coming out like someone needs to crack this code just to show everyone that vegan food it doesn't have to be expensive it doesn't have to be complicated you don't have to spend an hour in the kitchen every evening so we were like let's be the ones to to do this and jamie's five ingredient book was the best seller of 2017 and we were like if jamie can do it let's prove that we can do it for vegan food so that's kind of where our passion came from um and yeah the publishers loved it we got book deal and we started creating the book mm. was that so what was it like doing recipe because I, I worked for jamie oliver for a few years oh amazing and i was i used to be around the food team yeah. um, a lot so i used to see the kind of effort and energy that went into testing recipes yeah is that quite difficult for, yeah because yeah. you guys never had intense. experience before with that mm. so because obviously everything has to be test, tested quite a lot to make mm. sure that it's accurate and all the measurements yeah. and everything was that quite difficult so we'd spend like 18 hour days so we're in a bit of a um a unique position where normally you have like six to eight months to write a book mm. we were we had three months to write the book and one wow. of the months we were working full-time wow. so essentially we had like two months to yeah, write it, it so we had like unreal. we were doing 18 hour days through the heat wave <laughs> like literally. i think i remember seeing pictures of you too like in the kitchen yeah. <laughs> like literally dying we, in put the on, heat. we put on so much weight yeah as well. like like we, we we'd get up and know that we have to like get 10 recipes tested by the end of the day so like by about 10 a.m we've tested about three pastas and obviously like I don't, I don't like throwing away food so i'm like well there's like a whole pasta here mm. at like half nine in the morning i'm just gonna eat the whole thing and then by about two o'clock i'm just like oh my god i need to have a nap but even when you try <laughs> but even when you make something you try it you're like you try it and then you have a bite and then you think okay does it need a bit more of something you try it again you keep you keep trying and thinking of what, yeah, how you yeah. could improve it and then you're i like, think but the worst thing is like you're like oh you know what i think it just needs like a, a quarter teaspoon extra salt so you have to test the whole thing again add that quarter teaspoon of salt and you're like right that's right <laughs> i think the thing with five ingredients as well i found it quite mentally taxing because mm. you're not just like oh, i'm gonna yeah. make a chili i'm gonna throw this this this, mm-hmm. this in it you're literally like okay it's five ingredients there needs to be like a massive like flavor combination going on that has to be texture has to look amazing as well yeah. it got to like we developed about 80 recipes and we were like we need an, another 25 and i was oh. like i mentally can't think of anyone i can't do this anymore but we we did it we yeah. had about two weeks left to come up with them and we did yeah. it i think we come up with our best some of our best recipes are in the last ever yeah and i've well. yeah and this whole the whole campaign leading up to the book publication of the book we're creating more five ingredient recipes just mm-hmm. to keep showing people how easy it is mm-hmm. and i thought i'd have kind of a meltdown of like I can't think of anymore but I think the more we do it the more the easier it's becoming and the more exciting it's becoming you're like oh my god this this and this can go together and where you're taking inspiration from because obviously you know food culture is influenced mm. by world cultures is are there any particular themes that run through your food it's, it's just a mix of everything I think yeah I think sometimes we'll see something in a magazine that has like 10 ingredients and you're like oh maybe I could do that with five um sometimes you'll just think of these things like we made mince pie brownies recently and I was like I want to do brownies but I don't want to do standard brownies and I was like it's Christmas mince meat <laughs> nice. and that just came about like that mm. um it's just a mixture of stuff sometimes well, Ben dreams about recipes yeah yeah, yeah. I'll literally not and be like oh my god I could put like a ratatouille on a pizza <laughs> I'm like, don't yeah, do that. Done, yeah. So I don't know if that'll work, but we'll try it. Um, but for the book, I remember we we decided to go away for a weekend to like Devon 
and we spent the whole weekend like we had like this big spreadsheet and we would like plot like different cuisines we plot like we want to do we were, like we knew that like we wanted the book as well to be like a representation of the food we love mm-hmm. so like they like we love pasta so we put like maybe four or five pastas in there we've got like a pizza in there we've got some solid italian style was that Italian kind of influence? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then, likewise, like we love Mexican food, so we've got like tacos mm. in there. So uh, the spreadsheet had all the cha- the spreadsheet had all the chapters on across the top, mm. and then below it we had the suggestions for the recipes Any in Polish each chapter. Stuff in there? Uh, uh, my mum's beetroot soup. Yeah. Borscht. Yeah, yeah, that's in there. Nice, my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it as well. I always make it. It's like not the beetroot soup again. <laughs> really earthy and hearty. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, as we don't like to use this word, but you are influencers. You are you are influencing people to adapt and change their lifestyle through the content that you create. Do you feel a sense of because you got is it a million on your Facebook now? Mm-hmm. A million likes on Facebook, which is an incredible achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know how difficult that is because we're just just about five hundred thousand, and it's a you know especially with the changes in algorithms, it's a now a slow slog mm-hmm. to kind of yeah. keep people engaged. Do you offend, do you feel a sense of kind of urgency or a sense of responsibility? with the content you create because it is a bit like a treadmill you can't just stop you Mm. have to keep making all the time yeah it's a debate we constantly have like sort of quantity versus quality Mm -hmm. so like I'm massively on the quality side I'd rather put out less content and make sure that every single piece we put out Mm -hmm. is like just like I I have a problem a lot of the time with like pursuing perfection Mm -hmm. Um, and this is something Roxy and I constantly talk about about like sort of letting go of things Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's definitely a middle ground I think it's not necessarily about like sort of sacrificing quality I think it's also about just testing and being like well you know I know this isn't perfect in my sense Mm -hmm. of what perfection is Mm -hmm. but if I can get the quantity up and to sort of start seeing more like consistent engagement, I can then look back on that week and be like, well, I know that that one didn't perform well, but why not? Like, you know, maybe, mm. you know, like when maybe we forget about the five ingredients, maybe we put too many ingredients in it, maybe it's too complicated or whatever. Mm. Um, so like, yeah, there's definitely that responsibility. I think the trick really to a certain extent is like try not to get too bogged down in it like like we'll put up a recipe and be like oh this hasn't performed well and like why hasn't it performed well like we love it like what's wrong with the recipe <laughs> and like you have to snap yourself out of it and be yeah, like well, who cares can, like let's just like yeah. smash the next one get the next can, one out yeah you can get lost in these conversations where and sometimes we put a recipe up where we're like oh it's not very good and literally it gets like quarter million views on instagram mm. like sometimes there's there's just you can't dissect it. There's mm, mm. some other things going on that you can't control. People ask all the time, what's the secret to getting a piece of content to, you know, quote, go viral? Um, you know, there's not a special button you can push mm. the viral no. button. You know, there's so many things that need to be in play. The caption, the, you know, within with its, yeah. within social, you need to grab people's attention within the first three seconds. Is it funny? Is it sexy? Is it, you know, is it scary? Like there has to be something in there. Obviously mm. with food, you know, it's all about the aesthetic. It's all about how it's laid out and arranged and the the you know the deliciousness of the image you know so it's a real like it can be a real hit and miss um when it comes to kind of being influencers and creating content of this sort like have you got any advice for people who who are starting out who want to influence people to change their food habits how where should people begin i think just do it <laughs> don't think too hard about it don't overanalyze it just do it, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> 
Um, I think this is what we did well at the be- beginning. We didn't overthink things. We yeah. just went for it. We were uh, like, oh, yeah. this is interesting. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, we Trust even, your gut. Exactly. We started, yeah. we started filming our first recipe and we had the induction hob ready. We had the pan on top and nothing, the pan wasn't working, it wasn't heating up. And we're like, oh, <laughs> we need an induction pan. So we had to go to the shop. We literally learned on the job. Yeah. And I think had we thought of like, what's our year plan? Yeah. What equipment do we need? We'd have stopped ourselves we've been like this is yeah. out of our reach but I think just do it just um, look at other influences that you're inspired by take a bit of inspiration come up with your own kind of concept how you want things to look and just start doing it because no doubt within six months your aesthetic will change you'll have learned a lot and it will just keep to, um, keep progressing I think as well there's two things like for me think about what makes you different mm. that's key but also don't try and be too different in the sense like see what works mm-hmm. like what are other people doing like for us doing like overhead videos like we knew overhead videos would work mm. yeah but we were like well no one's doing it for vegan food so that's why we kind of set ourselves apart we were like right we'll do it for vegan food we'll do overhead videos and boom like we started getting that sort of hit overnight um and then secondly um what was i gonna say USP, the second point. Um, um oh yeah so in terms of um like learning on the job like if, if if i look back at what we've done in the past i will be like oh my god i can't believe we did that mm. or like, like, like example, can we delete it can we delete it on yeah, the internet yeah, like yeah. just leave it it's fine um like nothing's permanent on the internet um yeah <laughs> or is like, it <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> um so like shout example, out to the nsa <laughs> <laughs> um so like our logo for example when we first started um, so vegan like I remember we sat down and we spent five minutes we were like oh that font looks good it's like a classic that, vegan that font you know the like good. wiggly yeah I'm going to ask you about that because obviously you know you, you, you guys have worked in media and music stuff so you're aware of aesthetics and like brand you've got su- it feels like you've got such a strong brand all the colours and everything that you've created how important is that to you like how you look and- it's, 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 it's it become more important I bet you, you say that but like when we first started so vegan we went for the most obviously generic logo yeah. and font we could find basically and we spent five minutes doing it and we stuck with that mm. for quite a long time mm. until we got the book deal and then we were like right and and i think as a result of like me working in media you just being constantly creative like we were like right i i knew there was a process about going ahead with this so i was like right let's find a really good design agency so we got recommended this, this awesome design agency in east london we were like let's get a budget together mm. let's get a proper mm. professionally designed logo mm. let's get them to like feedback on the sort of stuff so then we relaunched we didn't really relaunch we just changed our logo Snuck but, like, it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah um and and but the, the point i was gonna make is like had we sort of three years ago two and a half years ago sort of bogged ourselves down on like well what is the right logo what is the right colour what, whatever like we would have just delayed the it entire process it would have held process. us back yeah exactly so I think my encouragement to anybody listening to this thinking like oh I don't know where to start etc just go for it like just come up with a logo give it some thought obviously like but a logo can change talk to people yeah. speak to like if you've got a friend who knows a designer just get on the phone because your brand them. isn't because I I used to work in, in branding and digital for, for many years and people used to say over and over you are not your logo you know your logo is, doesn't define you you are your brand is what your audience defines you as mm. so they're the ones who kind of consume your content or buy your product and they're the ones who define who you are the logo or the avatar or the or the, the motif is just a symbol that kind of yeah. identifies who you are um, but it all the whole experience is the brand it's the it's mm. the way you yeah. The videos it's the style of the music it's the colors it's the way you guys talk about um things that you know the humor or the fun or the kind of like playfulness of it um 
but it's an, a huge 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 achievement achievement it's a huge achievement um you know to to do to start this so to start this so recently and to achieve a million likes on facebook and to do a book um you know you both should be very proud of what you've thank done you. so far you we're all very proud of you oh thanks well, um so like what's what's next like what's in the future pipeline what's next for so vegan i mean we're so sort of preoccupied TV show. With it. Yeah. <laughs> um like i guess my answer to that would be like well, we're so preoccupied with the book at the moment like we, we 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 constantly talk about like well we'd love to do like we'd, re- we'd love to release a product like a food product line or we'd love to so yeah like do sort of tv related content or whatever i, th- I think we're kind of reining ourselves back a little bit like already yeah ourselves i in think on that. what we've learned is because we've been in the past we've kind of run so vegan and then wanted to do other bits on the side like sell this that and whatever and we're just like let's focus on one thing mm, for yeah. the first time in so vegan's career let's literally mm. just be like this is the one thing we need to focus on let's make it as good as possible that's not to say like we don't like like obviously when you run a business you need to have that sort of like what's your one year plan two yeah year plan, totally. five plan. so we definitely like sort of try to sort of project that or I'll try to like estimate what that would be um but I think in yeah. terms of focusing though in terms of creating content or like that's the entrepreneurial thing though isn't it it's, it's throwing lots of things at the wall and seeing yeah. what sticks and that's how I know both of you are entrepreneurs because <laughs> you have that passion to, mm. to want to create I think mm. that's to me that's the heart of what entrepreneur is it's a person who wants to create and it's not necessarily about money or you know or building a giant corporation it's about being a creative person I feel like it's having the freedom to do what you, yeah. what you want to do and create what you want to do as yeah. well yeah you get excitement out of success but success isn't determined by financial reward is it like success is determined by like oh my like for example every time somebody sends us a photo of them recreating our recipe i'm just like oh my god like, <laughs> yeah. i get such a, a bit of joy yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it is and i think like that's what drives me to be like right well if we launched a sort of so vegan range of like energy bars or whatever not that we would but if we did <laughs> and then we'll get like just seeing people like let's say I, I walked into Tesco's and I saw somebody pick up that chocolate bar or whatever off the shelf I'd be like I'd be like Argh. like <laughs> I'm not driven by the fact that somebody's paying I'm getting like a one pound margin on that yeah. I'm just like oh, oh can, you, can you believe someone's doing this and that's, what we, that's what we get off these recipes yeah. right? like we, I'm still pinching myself sometimes I'm just like I'm like oh I, yeah, my god I feel like day to day we're so in our bubble that it's kind of there's so mm. much going on but like it's quite rare that we like sit back and like ah oh, look what we've created mm. you're just mm-hmm. like every day it's like yeah. what's happening today what's the schedule da, 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 what's yes the- so you, we've started a challenge uh, we want to challenge people to go vegan one day a week mm-hmm. um, and yesterday we had a couple of people uh, come into our kitchen and they were absolutely awesome so like uh, a girl called Francesca and her friend who's a meat eater mm-hmm. so Francesca got, we got in contact with Francesca and she was like I'm challenging my friend to go vegan one day a week we're like awesome come into our kitchen and it's just amazing talking to somebody who like test like she does like loads of our recipes at home like she's really enthusiastic about veganism she's been vegan for two years and she's like so passionate about it and her friend leanne Mm. who we were cooking for we did this rich ragu pasta which is like so meaty Mm -hmm. it's like we put like miso paste in it we put red wine in it it's like if you looked at the photo you'd be like it's me like yeah. it's a it's a it's a ragu pasta, right? You don't even think it's vegan. And Leanne was eating it and she she like she didn't like we stopped rolling, we stopped filming and recoming the audio. She, she kept being like, like, Oh my god, it's so like, good. Guys, like seriously, this is like I'm, I'm cooking this all for all my family, all my friends. I and mean, I'm just like that that is like us directly mm. having an impact, right? Like, yeah. like right here in front of us. Mm. 
we've got somebody who's so new to vegan food being like, not only am I making this, I'm cooking this for my meat-eating mm-hmm. family. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, the best feeling in the world, isn't it? We often get stuff through plant-based news, people saying how they've seen a piece of content that's changed their opinion or their view or their grandmother's gone vegan or, or their dad or mum or whoever, and or it's improved their health. You know, it's the best feeling in the world where you see that joy or that, that change in a person because of yeah. something you've said or done or created. So, yeah, we've got to just keep at it. This long road yeah. ahead. <laughs> to create this change but I think like there's so many of us working together now worldwide on yeah. a daily basis to kind of create this shift and this change so I'm really hopeful and um, you know scientists are saying we've got 12 years to turn things around so you know yeah. we ne- <laughs> yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few decades of how mm. much we can shift our our countries away from I kind of meet, you know, an animal heavy based diet, but I, I do feel hopeful, especially with the onset of things like clean meat, you know, and, and um, what's it called? Uh, what's it called? Uh, cellular agriculture, you know, where we, we grow a flesh in in a, in a, in a lab rather mm. than off, off an animal. It's cleaner, it's healthier, it's better for the environment. Personally, I wouldn't eat it. I'm, I don't feel the need to eat meat anymore, but I think for the things like, you know, companion animals or for animals in, in captivity and, and for those diehard omnivores who just yeah. refuse to switch to a plant-based diet, it's definitely going to be the future. It's incredible technology. But um, coming to the end now, like I always like to ask... Um, you know, a few questions at the end. You know, you know that uh, that island that people say, "Oh, if you're on that island and there's a pig, what would you eat?" You know that island. You know the desert island. Maybe. <laughs> you, know, you know the joke. There's always a joke like, "Oh, if you're on a desert island with a pig, what would you eat?" Okay. There's a. It's like a running vegan joke, but right. it's one of those oh, things you, you've not come across no. that one. But anyway, I like to ask you. Then you're on the desert island. You're with the pig. The pig's your friend. You're not yeah. eating the pig. I'm going to give you a choice of an album, a book, and a vegan dish. What would they be? You can obviously any one of those three, all of those three even. One album, one vegan dish, and wow. one book. What would you choose, Roxy? And you're stuck on that island with your pig friend. Yeah, my album would be the orig- oh, no. original Pirate Material by the Streets. Uh, nice. uh, and what were the other two? Sorry, uh, vegan dish. Vegan and a dish. Oh, what would my vegan dish be? Uh, Burrito is probably too obvious. Um, you have that's all you can eat for the rest of eternity. Oh, <laughs> what? That's the only food you get constantly. Yeah. Uh, I would probably. I had the um, eat che. Is it? Um, bao, they, they do bao buns, don't they? And they were nice. absolutely phenomenal. So I soft fluffy bun with some kind of delicious. Um, exactly, filling. some like hoisin jackfruit or something. And what would your book be? My book would be um, the ragged trousered philanthropist by I think Robert Tressel. <laughs> which is like an amazing, amazing book about like working class culture through like, I think it was about a hundred years ago. Um, and it's about like the class system and stuff. It's just like really, really yeah, amazing. Yeah. Fascinating. You Roxy? I think my food would be chicken spinach dal. Oh, nice. yeah. That's such a good yeah. album. God, this is a tough one. It's all you've got for the rest of time. All I've got for the Beyonce. <laughs> Not sure which album, any album. Um, and then what's the last one? Book. Book. What's the book you just read? Oh, oh, that was quite cute. That was like, you've been smiling for ages. I was like, oh. Um, that was The Return of the Devil was Prada. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By Laura someone, Laura Weasland. Uh, yeah, maybe that. Uh, it's not the best book. 
I'm trying to say like um, the lean five. startup. And the lean startup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can figure out a way off the island. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. Roxy Pope and Ben Twig. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week with more vegan things, life, fashion, technology, and everything in between. Mm-hmm.